Welcome to episode 121 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I am your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by our producer, Johnny Pham. And for the second time, and first time knowingly to me, with his standing desk, Dalton Willie. Hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> Please do not adjust your desk. I'm too too at well. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think his his head is probably like like a lot, <laughs> a lot slimmer. Welcome in to episode one twenty one of the Half Point Per Podcast. We are so glad to have you guys here today. I wanted to start out this episode with a with a very special shout out, Dalton. You may know where this is going, Johnny. I haven't shared this with you, so you'll you'll find this funny. Got a little text at. 10.56 p.m. Uh, Monday night this week uh, from uh, a certain someone, Kathleen, Dalton's girlfriend, wow. who who texted. It, it's a group with both Dalton and I who says, hey, Evan, want to see how Dalton's team is getting outscored by mine this season? I was like, oh, absolutely. She sends me a screenshot. She does have, it looks like, about 50 more points than Dalton. Uh, Dalton apparently... So ashamed of it that his actual name isn't isn't on the team. But just uh, once want you guys to know that when you think about which person you take advice from, one of us is getting outscored in a league by their girlfriend, who maybe should be the new co-host of the show, like third co-host, maybe I don't know. Would love to have her on. I drafted that team and then gave it to its real owner. And since then, I have done waivers for her team and given her her start-sit decisions every week. This is absurd. <laughs> uh, I just thought it was funny. Uh, Johnny Kathleen did say she's always happy to help out the pod. She is trying to improve the setting behind Dalton so we see something else besides I mean, I walls. I mean, we've, we've, we've got a little piece of furniture o- over uh, his left shoulder now. Yep. There is a couch, and I know that's been a new addition since they at least started dating. Um, mm-hmm. So she is helping the pod. I do agree with that. Yeah. Hey, is this a football podcast or an interior designing podcast? <laughs> Not interior design, but injury reserve is where we're going to start with this one, Dalton. And that is Justin Jefferson. He is headed to the IR. And don't worry, we will get to the actual thumbnail of this show, which is a little bit of a rookie watch. We're going to go around the league, talk about how some of the rookies have fared so far, what we think about their prospects going forward. Uh, But this first one with JJ kind of ties into both categories here. He is headed to the IR. Um, Kind of scary that it was quickly flowed out there by Adam Schefter that his absence could be slightly longer than four weeks because of how the Viking season is going, which uh, if you don't know, they're one and four. Um, I don't know if they're going to trade Kirk Cousins. I would expect they probably won't just because it, that always sounds better in theory than, than like actuality and contracts and stuff make that complicated, you know, all that. But there is at least a risk that this season could go a certain way and JJ is out for longer. Dalton, I'm curious, just first uh, on your feel of that whole situation, and we will get to Jordan, to the Jordan Asson part of this with the first rookie check-in in a few minutes. Well, the first thing I would say is 
the same day that news came out, Sam Bradford and then Colt McCoy were worked out by the Vikings, which is that was a little weird. It's with the news that like (laughs) Justin Jefferson may not return. Her cousins on the last year of his contract. It's one of those situations where you're like, is he being shopped? Obviously, the Jets rumors have been pretty clean since Aaron Rodgers' injury. Um, Yeah. And I'm not going to say... The Falcons are another one that makes sense, but also they would have to like completely rework their system, I think, for that to actually make sense on the field. But from a skill set, set, yeah, the Giants, although um, I think Kirk Cousins has a no-trade clause. Uh, Johnny, you're nodding your head. That's correct. Um, If I'm Kirk Cousins, I am vetoing the hell out of a trade to the Giants. (laughs) But I will say, if I'm a Justin Jefferson owner and Kirk Cousins does get traded, I'm incredibly concerned that Justin Jefferson shuts shuts it down for the year Mm -hmm. and the Vikings go on tank for QB2 in this draft. Watch. Um, Because I think that's a real possibility at this point with their roster – they have the fifth highest dead cap of any team in the NFL right now, too. So they're not built to contend. I I agree with you that like if I were if this was my Madden franchise, he would not be seeing the field again this year. But like it is so difficult to do that in real life. Like these are real guys. They want to play. He's gonna want to play. Like, this is what they do for a living. It's just, there's a human element that doesn't always get taken into account when we talk about things like this and basketball and football. But it it really just, like, if he's ready to go in four weeks and is, like, 100% fine, then I think he probably comes back at a reasonable time. But if it's a on the IR for four weeks, and then he's still not quite right for another two. Then by that point, you're like week 10, week 11, and then it's kind of getting a little dicey. So I can see it going both ways. So I guess if you're a Justin Jefferson owner, I'm assuming you probably have a pretty decent record right now. If you're you know three and two, four and one, what is the worst we won't even say a one for one. Cause I, I think a one for one, you'd still feel pretty bad about it. Cause if you're trading him, you're trading him on the hope to that person that he's going to be back later this year. What like type of trade package are you looking to get back? If you are so freaked out and you just want to make sure you have locked in production at that spot. Nukua for Justin Jefferson straight up. Would you I, do it? I'm doing that every time. If I'm trading for Justin Jefferson. Interesting. What if you're two and two? Three two. two I was gonna, three. I, I, I was going to say, if I'm two and two, I'm looking to see what happened in my game this week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that that's the type of league winning swing that I'm still willing to take, and, and just hoping that you know, kind of common sense wins out a little bit, and he's not really well. Okay, maybe not common sense. Maybe that just kind of the the real-life human factors that go into NFL locker rooms and players and all of that, that that kind of wins out and he's back in four or five weeks. Like, I would trade Puka Nakua plus a bench running back to to get Justin Jefferson right now. The last thing I will say that I think is slightly important for this uh, is the Vikings' bye week is week 13. Mm. So you're, not, you're, you're losing five JJ games, and one of them being – a very pivotal week for fantasy playoff contention. That's true. Um, That's fair. I, if I was trading him though, I would probably look for 
underperforming wide receiver and a good running back, like I would do T. Higgins and uh, you probably couldn't get Bijan. Saquon and T. Higgins would be an interesting package. Grab two guys who were just coming back from injury. Um, but I, I, I would do that. I would do the yeah. Saquon T. Higgins side of that for sure. Yeah, but I'd be looking at teams who maybe have been doing well in spite of injuries and get their injured players. An Austin Eckler team, I might do a one-for-one one for Eckler for JJ at this point. Yeah, I don't think you could get that because Eckler's coming back, position of need, all of that. I don't think you could get a Off by. Yeah. Uh, I would also do Ayuk plus for just about anybody plus. I would do Ayuk straight up yeah. uh, if I'm the JJ owner and take Ayuk. Yeah, I love Ayuk, so I agree with that. Um. The other part of this is the rest of the offense outside of Aston, who again we'll get to. Um, is there anybody like is this a TJ Hawkinson centric offense now? Are we, you know, interested in any of these receivers, whether it's KJ Osborne? Uh, well, I already forgot of the name of the guy that randomly had like eight fantasy points on the Chiefs, Powell, Brandon Powell, I think, uh, last weekend. Those would kind of be. The other two receivers, it seems like any interest in either of those two. Obviously, Osborne has been a guy who has done it before. I mean, Kirk Cousins is playing at an MVP level in spite of the record. Other than the Carolina game, he's had 20-point outings almost every week. Uh, He was on pace to lead the league in touchdowns and yards through week five. So, I mean, he's definitely a guy that I am going to put my trust in. I'm... KJ Osborne's probably been a popular waiver pickup. I'm not touching Brandon Powell, um, but I think the biggest winner here is Jordan Addison, who, I mean, he's he's shown some flashes of being a legitimate good wide receiver and mm-hmm. worth the draft capital of a first-round pick. I, I think Hawkinson, to me, is actually the biggest winner. I think his volume is going to go up. I think this offense is going to kind of center around him being the, the number one weapon. I, I do still think Addison is a you know, quote unquote winner, like a volume winner. The offense as a whole, obviously losers because, you know, Cousins is playing great. The offense is humming, but they may find things to be a little bit different without that dude on the field going forward. Yeah. No. And I I mean, it's going to hurt everybody in that offense in a way. I think that no one's going to replace Justin Jefferson one for one, but Kevin O'Connell and company are very good offensive schemers. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing I'd watch for is is Cam Akers getting involved in yeah. the passing game. I think Alexander Madison's been a pretty bona fide zero as a pass catching back for them this year. Obviously, he has the drops and the fumbles. Uh, and if Cam he, Akers he, gets he, that role, he, he dropped a literal touchdown against the Chiefs yes. the other day. <laughs> so yeah, he'd be the other guy I watch for if his pass his snaps start going up. He's probably a guy you can get off waivers in a lot of leagues still, just because mm-hmm. he just hasn't done much. So James Conner also headed to the IR. Um, Rookie Amari DiMercato stepped in last week. Uh, Conner was off to a great start in that game. Real bummer that he got hurt. It was a great run that he got hurt on, too. Uh, I think he was at six carries for 46 yards already pretty early in the second quarter. DiMercato steps in, scores a touchdown, has pretty good numbers. You know, Conte Ingram has been the backup on the depth chart. But he's been out the last two games with, uh, I guess, just a neck injury. We we don't we don't know anything more specific than that. It sounds like Dalton um, he's going to play this week. I think uh, they literally said we plan like we're going to have him back, and he's going to get carries, and we'll see how he does. Uh, do you have a thought on who is the lead back, if anybody, if it's a hot hand approach, and if Corey Clement and Tony Jones 
will matter. And if they do, probably none of these guys matter. Uh, I think it's Kante Ingram. He was listed today as the RV1 on the depth chart, which mm-hmm. depth charts are what they are. Um, but he he just does the pass blocking better than DeMar Collar does at this point. And he has familiarity in the system. The only reason he wasn't on the field, like you said, it was he was hurt. And, I mean, we've been big Kante Ingram fans for yep. two years now. I certainly think he has a skill set to do well here. And when a rookie pops off in the second half of the game like that, I'm not really looking to buy. If somebody spit high on DeMarcado on your waivers, I would have been happy spending low and getting Keontae. Yeah, so I, I've seen two uh, pretty pretty popular pro DeMarcado anti-Ingram arguments that I'd like to address here. Number one is that, you know, Ingram has never stepped in and had this sort of efficiency that DeMarcado had in his first time basically being on the field in real action. I mean, Ingram has also never had an extended opportunity to have real volume and get in a real rhythm. He's had games where he's gotten touches, but he's never been like he DeMarcado was the unquestioned guy getting touches and was able to get into a rhythm and, you know, had a nice game. And uh, number two, uh, I think you're going to hear a lot of the the third down stuff. Uh, Ingram has not been on the field for a third down this year. DeMarcado, I think, is like at 17 snaps on third down. And to that, I would say, I think that's how this backfield is going to shape out. We have a first and second down back in Ingram, a short yardage guy, and a third down back in DeMarcado. I mean, this is a guy who he was the scat back to Kendra Miller's between the tackles in college. I think you're going to see a similar type of split with this one. Yeah. And the, the, the last thing I'll say is we're still betting money on Arizona here where the answer might just be more designed runs for Josh Dobbs, who's done a pretty good job at that mm-hmm. so far this season. Um, so but, I would, but, but they like to run the ball a lot. So you yeah. got to figure like there, there are going to be running back carries to be had. It's just, do they concentrate on one guy enough? Is it just two guys to where, you know, they can both have low end flex value or do a third or maybe fourth guy get involved here? And yeah. I, I think we agree. And I think if I was ranking, I would have, Ingram probably between 24 and 27 and then DeMarcado a little farther down the line. Yeah. Maybe like higher than 35, but no higher than 28 or so. Yeah. I I agree. Like I admittedly can't can't act like I know a ton about the kid, but the, the film people who I do trust the people who, who analyze these prospects for a living, I've heard multiple people say, yeah, he, he had pretty uninspiring film coming out of college. So it's not like this is a prospect that, smart people are big time fans of and know oh, that he's finally getting a chance. Actually kind of Keontae Ingram might, might be that guy. Mm-hmm. All right. Devon a Chan, uh, speaking of a guy who finally got a chance and boy, it was, it was fun while it lasted, but it is going to have to take a, a couple of weeks off. He is slated to miss a couple weeks with a knee injury. He has got moved to the IR since I actually wrote, this rundown, so he's out at least four weeks, uh, kind of like Connor. We don't have any details on the actual knee injury that I've seen, but out a month. So before we talk about kind of where we're left, let's talk about what in the world are we supposed to make of this first two games for this guy, and what do we do with him on our roster? Like, if someone's looking to trade him, not this week, but like wait, they wait two weeks, and then, oh, if he's close to coming back, it, it, let's trade him. Like, what in the world should his value be in trades right now? 
I mean, it's difficult because this was the entire concern with his draft position and even picking him up in fantasy football was he's small and he's going to get hurt. Um, and the, 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 what looked like the energy injury came on a between the tackles run, which was where everybody thought he was going to not excel. Um, yeah, and, but also like you, you can't, you can't say that was or was not because yeah. of his size either. The only concern I have is what the D injury is, which unfortunately, if anybody listened to Mike McDaniel today, he just said it's the knee. Yeah. I, a lot of a lot of people give you like it's an MCL sprain, PCL sprain, and you can kind of abstract other fantasy data to see if guys come back better. Uh, we have none of that information, which is terrifying. I am just going to probably hold him if I own him. I'm not going to go out and trade for him, but I would not trade him because there's just more upside. You probably got him off waivers already. He was free for you. You should just wait and enjoy the ride for him to come back. It's just so hard. I, I just so badly would like to know how I'm supposed to think about this guy because he comes in and two games and he averaged like, like 10 yards a carry. And it's like, okay, obviously he's not going to do that. He's probably going to be like a four yards a carry guy. Like that'll probably be what he ends up at. But it's like, He's impossible for me to wrap my brain around right now because he so badly broke my brain through two weeks. You know, he was awesome. The scheme was awesome. All of it was awesome. It works perfectly in lockstep when you've got those two receivers who are able to stretch the defense like they do. And then you've got uh, a world-class speedster who's able to get going on these reverses. It, it was a lot of fun, and I hope they're able to, to get back to it when he comes back. It's Jeff Wilson season, baby. So yeah, how how does this offense look? You know, Jeff Wilson designated to return. He's, I would assume, not playing this week. I haven't actually looked to see if that is or isn't true, but I would assume he's not playing this week. Usually, you're designated to return at least a week or two before you're actually back on the field. How does this offense look without Jeff Wilson? And then once Jeff Wilson does come back, well, the last two weeks, Raheem Mostert has had a 38% snap share mm-hmm. among running backs on this team. That um, is changing. That has to change. They also play the 32nd rush defense in the Giants this week, and they're the number one rushing offense. No surprises there. Uh, so wheels up. I mean, I would not start him in most fantasy leagues, but if I was playing DFS, I would probably start Chris Brooks or Salvin Ahmed. Uh, and then Raheem Mostert's like a bonafide RB, like top 10 running back. Mm. No questions asked this week. Um, but he's the only one I'm starting with any certainty. If Ahmed is out, I think Chris Brooks is the next guy up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a 40-yard run against the Broncos when they played them, and it was a blowout. So if you're really desperate, like some people in this podcast are, for running back production, <laughs> I would start him. Uh, if you really need it and you're in a deep league, he's another guy I would just pick up if I'm trying to to guess. And then if Jeff Wilson plays, I think he's a locked-in started go. Yeah, and I was going to say, I, I just went and looked um, on Twitter, and well. It seems far from certain. It seems like kind of the vibe I'm getting is that it seems like Jeff Wilson may actually play this weekend. If that's the case, I kind of think we might see because we've had a Chan in this crazy role where he's getting, you know, all these end arounds, all these outside runs, and Mostert has been the the more between the tackles guy. I think we're gonna get Mostert now in that A Chan role and then Jeff Wilson in the most between the tackles role, because he obviously Jeff Wilson, he is the guy that sticks out as being slow, yep. you know, quote unquote slow compared to the rest of this offense. Whereas like Moster, even though he's whatever, 31, he's still very fast. Yeah. And I'm sure we're going to see some snaps where Tyreek Hill takes a handoff in the backfield. Like that's just how this is probably going to go. 
Yeah. I think Mostert's the safest play out of this entire backfield this week, and the only one I would start with any certainty. Yeah, and if you need to start Wilson, if he plays, I'm cool with it. If Wilson doesn't play and you have to start Ahmed, Ahmed I am uh, cool with that too, but a little bit less so, um, I would say. But yeah, Mostert is kind of a locked-in top 15 running back until uh, HN gets back, or until you know, in two weeks it could be Jeff Wilson's taking 70% of the snaps because that's kind of what happened last year. Mostert was good. He was kind of the guy. They trade for Jeff Wilson. And then it's like, oh, Jeff Wilson is playing a lot more. Now their offense is running a lot different this year, but maybe without HN, they kind of dr- have to drift away from that style. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I think there's a lot of unknowns. You have to kind of be ready to uh, embrace the unknown with this backfield right now. Yeah, and I would be taking shots at anybody I can at any of my leagues in this backfield because anybody's going to hit any week there, the RB1 in this offense. Yep. Okay, let's start on the rookies here. Let's go back to Minnesota. Um, Justin Jefferson to the IR. I say Hawkinson is the biggest benefactor. You say Jordan Addison. Let's talk about him. What have you seen out of Jordan Addison uh, this first month and change, Dalton? Well, it's difficult because Jordan Addison has lined up in single coverage on 72% of his snaps this season. And the biggest concern with Jordan Addison was press coverage. And this is from our guys over at Football Guys. He's been pressed on 8% of his snaps at wide receiver. Um, and and, it, and, it, and it's not been good when he's been pressed. Per reception perception, 48.7 success rate against press coverage this year. Yeah. Wow, that was a team effort there, there to get the point across that <laughs> any defense worth their salt is going to be pressing th- this wide receiver core because K.J. Osborne is what he is. He's a jag in the league. He's yep. you know he, he gets it done here and there, but that's about it. Um, Addison's a rookie with size concerns and for as much as you want him to be the guy, TJ Hawkinson is still a tight end, yeah. uh, and on a bad offensive he's a, he's, line. He's a, he's a tight end, not named Travis Kelsey. Yeah. And he's going to be doing a lot of chip coverages with the way this offensive line is playing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you, I'm wheels up on Jordan Addison, but I'm, I'm not putting him in like a top 20 wide receiver weekly ranking. Yeah. He's just not going to make that. He's going to have more volume, and the volume is going to probably be less efficient than it yeah. was when Justin Jefferson was there. I was, I was going to say he's the wide receiver 28 right now, averaging about 10 and a half points per game. I think he'll end up in a very similar neighborhood to that. It'll just look different. It, it'll be less efficient, more volume, probably fewer deep bombs because he's getting pressed and he's not, you know, he's just not. I don't think he's going to be able to to win in the same way he was because he's going to be playing number one corners. He's probably going to have a guy kind of shading his way because you're not scared of Osborne. You're definitely not scared of Brandon Powell. And I don't even, couldn't even tell you who is fourth uh, in that receiver room. Is Jalen Rager still there? Uh, Yeah, actually, I think he might be. Yeah. So, I mean. I mean, look, the Eagles shows him over JJ one spot time. This is his chance to really go out and earn that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's wide receiver three with like wide receiver two upside as long as Justin Jefferson is out. But I, I, I wanna say like it it basically what he was in college has been exactly what he's been so far. You said it, I said it, he struggled against press coverage, but a lot of the good has translated too. He's good at the in breaking routes, you know, post slants, deep crossers. He's like the ideal one B. The question is, can he be the number one and he was kind of in that perfect spot where we didn't have to figure that out now i i think we're gonna learn a lot about him uh as a prospect but i also i want to be careful if he struggles i don't want to say oh he can never 
develop this. No, he's a rookie. This is his sixth game he's coming up to this week. So he can always improve. But we're going to learn a lot about where he's at right now because, you know what, maybe by week seven or eight, he surprises us and he keeps getting – because he's 21. He's he's really young. He's one of the youngest guys in this draft class. So I, I think he'll be one of the more interesting situations both for redraft and specifically for Dynasty uh, to follow with Addison in Minnesota. Like he's going to get a lot more layups in, in this offense. He's got that kind of skill set. If he's able to also beat press coverage, then – it could get pretty exciting for Addison pretty quickly. Yeah, and the last thing on this is I trust the Vikings coaching staff to put him in motion, get him off those coverages, and force them out of press situations. It's not going to work every play, um, and they are working with liabilities in their offensive line game. But I, I still think Kevin O'Connell and company are going to be able to get him in positive-looking situations. Mm-hmm. It's not like every they're just going to line him up out wide make them win one on the right. against every cornerback one. Um, but there will be their ups and downs. Right. For sure. We agree. Okay. Zay Flowers, a guy that he can do it versus press coverage. He can do it against man. He can do it against zone. This guy is good. Loved him before the draft. Love him now. I know he had a frustrating day if you started him in fantasy or even if you have him on your team and you just want to see your player do well because you want to start him the following week. He, I don't remember his exact line, but he had like eight fantasy points, nine fantasy points. He could have easily had like a 10 for 150 and a touchdown type of day. Lamar misses him on the bomb. He has two other horrendous drops, two of the seven drops by that receiver and tight end room uh, for Baltimore the other day. So that was tough. But, you know, there was a little bit of smoke on Twitter after a week or two, like, oh, this guy's a gadget guy, like kind of, you know, be careful. Dalton, you and I both saw that going around, and he's just not. He runs all of the routes you want from number one receiver, and he runs them well. 70% success versus man, 85% versus zone. I did not put in the press coverage because it was too small of a sample size, but it's very good in the very small sample size. Um, this guy's awesome. He he can do it all. He's winning all over the field. He just needs to catch the ball next time. Yeah, well, if you rewatch the video of the deep ball he missed, uh, that the, one was not his fault. Yeah, the all twenty-two shows that like the wind actually took it, and that's what he said in the presser afterwards is that the wind yeah. moved the ball uh, and it just lost his tracking there. Which again, he's a rookie. That happens. Um, I, I'm not going to talk a ton about Zay Flowers because we we've done it before in the show. We love him. He's great. I will say. It's been a slower start to the Baltimore offense than we talked about in the offseason. Yeah. Um, besides all of that, going well, and you know, o- Odell's been hurt, Bateman's been hurt, and has not yeah. gotten off the ground. Andrew's, Andrew's been in and out too. So Zay's been the only guy who, who's, who's been there. Yeah, Lewis Dobbins, obviously, week one. So it's just been Lamar and Zay having kind of the mainstays. So at least Lamar has that. At least Lamar has Zay there. So it's not just him and Nelson Aguilar again, like it probably could have been without him. <laughs> well, yeah, and Nelson Aguilar is fine as a three, yeah. uh, which he showed in that game. But going into last week, Lamar was first in the NFL in completion percentage and on-target throws. He's still first in on-target throws. Yeah. Uh, completion percentage took a terrible hit in that game because <laughs> of the drops. It just For anybody who started Lamar Jackson, just so you know, his real stat line without any drops would have been – and no yak as well, which Zay's t- catch probably would have been touchdown. Right. It was 340 yards and three touchdowns compared to his outputting of 200 yards and – no passing touchdowns. Even uh, even if even if they just connect on that deep ball, where again Zay was open 
Lamar's throw was looking good coming out of his hand. And if you're watching the All-22, you can literally see the wind grab that ball. You can see the flags on on the field goal post moving pretty quickly. It is Cleveland, uh, or not Cleveland, it is Pittsburgh, Dalton. So not quite the lake effect like Cleveland's. Not, meant not the lake but, effect. But uh, we'll have some weather up there. And it was the fourth most lost fantasy points to drops from a quarterback since 20, 2000, 2000 sorry. Uh, that's according to fantasy points data. So better days are ahead. I think there are some major boom games coming for Zay. Mm-hmm. I think this offense is still learning Todd Munkin's system. They're playing at the sixth fastest rate in the NFL, and they're passing above expectation is ninth in the NFL. So it's everything we thought. It just hasn't hit yet, but it's it's a game I'm going to continue to bet on. And Zay Flowers is a guy who has been everything we thought he was in that song. He's getting crazy volume. So like the only concern there is if Bateman – does eventually start to look a little more right and Odell stays healthy, maybe the volume won't be quite there, but it, it's been there from the jump. It was like, oh, when Mark Andrews comes back, it won't be there. Oh, it's actually, he just had 11 targets last. Like, you know, like this guy is getting wide receiver one, like Deontay Johnson type type of target share right now in this offense. Yeah, I think it's wheels up. And I mean, post-week Bible, who knows what we're going to see from this guy. Yep. Yeah, that's true. All right, Jaden Reed, uh, a little bit lower on the totem pole here. Um, but this is the order that we are going in because I was looking at my dynasty roster first when making this list. Uh, he's been mostly a slot guy, through receiver set guy. But Dalton, I think both you and I and a lot of others have really liked the, the limited stuff that we've seen from Jaden Reed. Yeah, well, he's also the... 12th most efficient kick returner in the NFL right now. Yeah. Uh, so he's done a good job there. You love to see rookies just getting reps like that. He's a con- returner too. Yeah. My concern would be uh, Jordan Love just actually might suck. Like going yeah. back to to week one, they blew up the Bears, and we now know why they blew up the Bears. Um, <laughs> I This offense has four, five mouths to feed, depending on who you're counting, between Dobbs, Watson, Jones, Musgrave, and Reed. I think Reed has been everything we wanted him to be, which is he didn't have the pedigree in the draft, mostly because he played on a Michigan State team that Keon Coleman, who's blowing up at Florida State right now, had to transfer out of the program just to prove a point. <laughs> right. uh, and and Jaden Reed was his lead mate, and their their quarterback didn't even go for 3,000 yards their last year together, which is really surprising. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that, that, that's a first round pick, uh, potentially next year. And then obviously Reed was a, a second round pick. Yeah. So I, I'm, st- I'm still liking him. I think he's a guy, if I have shallow benches in my league, he's someone I'm watching on waivers. If I have a deeper bench, he's someone I'm putting on it just to see yeah. if injuries occur somewhere else and the volume goes up. Um, but I think a lot of his issues the rest of the season are going to be quarterback play and whether or not Jordan Love figures it out, which it's starting to look like he might not. Yeah, and like Reed is a guy for me. Both the things you said with waivers and, um, you know, watching him or putting him on your bench, depending on roster size. He's also like, if you're in a league where he's on another roster, you know, the guy that has him may not know what he has in Reed because what he has in Reed or what he or she has uh, in Jaden Reed is a guy that you know he he's produced a little bit, but it's been low volume. He's made a couple nice plays, a couple deep catches, a couple touchdowns. But it's like, yeah, you know, whatever. This guy's whatever. He's like, if you're negotiating with a George, with a Jaden Reed, 
manager and you can just get them as a, as a throw in, like you could get them as a, a little, little cherry on top of a trade. Like I, I'm looking to do that all day. Um, the, the Jordan love concerns are very real. That's why he is a stash, not a start at this point. Um, but if those concerns improve at all this year, which they could, I, I still, I tend to agree with you that it's not looking good, but also the NFL outside of the very best teams is such a week to week deal mm-hmm. that we don't know what this will look like in, in three weeks. It could look, uh, you know, not significantly better, but it could look better. You've got a great offensive mind. You've got nice weapons, you know, fine offensive line, all that. Not having Aaron Jones for so much for this early part has not helped Jordan Love in this offense. This is a guy that has a 75% success rate against man, 77% against zone from reception perception. But get this. He has a 100% success rate running slants this year. And those are 20% of his sampled routes. Like you mentioned volume. That is how you eventually turn into a volume hog. It may not be this year, but it could also be this year. So just, you know, just something to keep in the back of your mind. Yeah, no. And I, I definitely buy into that. And listen, Romeo Dobbs has had like an electric start to the year as far mm-hmm. as target share goes. And I think he's like a top 30 wide receiver right now. Yep. Uh, he, he's been good, but you notice every one of his catches is very contested. Yeah, I and th- <laughs> the point the point I'm I'm kind of pitter pattering around here is I think that Jaden Reed is better. I think he will end up being better. I think it's just a matter of time with the rookie. We also just saw a game where their entire passing game centered around Watson Musgrave. So mm-hmm. it's just going to be rough, and it's the Raiders too. It was a game that I would have called a, a smash start for Jordan Love, and he, he wasn't able to get it done. Uh, so one of those situations I'm watching, if one of those guys goes down for a while, I think Jaden yeah. Reed gets into the flex conversation pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, because he's got to play in more than just three receiver sets uh, yeah. to, to truly be a factor there. So something to watch, but the underlying stuff looks good with him, so he is a guy to monitor for sure. And Now, this is a guy, Dalton, that all we have right now is underlying stuff, and that is Marvin Mims. Uh, woof. He himself has been good when given the chance, but he has more than two targets one time this year. He's played above 35% of the snaps zero times, as many times as I have this year in the NFL. But the thing is, like, the deep play stuff, it is clearly translating. This is a guy, he, he, he's had multiple games where he's come in, had his nice deep ball, and then you just don't hear from him for another quarter and a half. It, it's kind of the the Andy Reid thing with rookies sometimes where it's like, oh, rookie made a great play. There he goes again. Up oh, there he comes out two and a half quarters later for another drive. You know, that, that's kind of what we're seeing with Mims. Obviously, he has a, uh, a veteran coach in Sean Payton. Uh, it's reasonable to think that maybe Payton is a more old-fashioned guy who wants to see the rookie kind of earn it a little bit in that room. And, and then, you know, a lot of times NFL coaches, I, I think one thing that we have to relearn every year because we do get excited for these prospects, and there's a reason for that because these guys turn into league winners a lot down the stretch. Like you, you want to hit on the right rookie because they're cheap. And a lot of times you can find rookies that end up like top 20 or third position for stretches to end the season. But there's also the cold reality of a lot of times it just takes time. A lot of times we don't know why, but these coaches ease these guys along. Maybe 
it's for a great reason and we just can't see it because we're not in the building or maybe the coach is wrong. You know, it, it can go both ways. And I tend to think Sean Payton just needs to wisen up a little bit with this one. You can keep the role the same. Just make it more frequent. Just give the guy more frequent deep shots, right? Like, like, come on, what are we doing here? Yeah, well, it were a situation where the Broncos look to be in full teardown. Uh, Jerry Judy followed the entire Panthers team on Instagram, but <laughs> allegedly didn't. That's the wide receiver. Oh my yeah. god! Uh, not saying that, like he's getting traded to the Panthers, but he's also been like doing the wide receiver thing where you tweet cryptic shit all over Twitter. Um, so there, I mean, there's just clearly some unease in that t- in that locker room. Marvin Mims has clearly been the best receiver. Uh, Cortland Sutton leads the team in targets, and Marvin Mims has 50 more yards than Cortland Sutton <laughs> on the season, uh, which is hard to do when you're not playing above 33. He's the wide receiver 43, despite never playing more than 30% of the team's snaps. Um, Sean Payton. His, his box score coach. is just funny to look at because he has a game with like two catches for 113 yards. So he has a game where he's like at 56 yards per catch. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. I mean, it's undeniable that he's the only player getting open on deep routes for this team. Yeah. Like Jerry Judy almost had one against the Jets. Uh, but this is a guy who I would have on every bench in every league because if he gets 70% of their snaps, there becomes a very good like boom game where he can go off. You know, think Christian Watson last year. The guy didn't play any snaps for over half the season, and then yeah. he had nine touchdowns in six weeks. And that's the same kind of impact I think Marvin Mims can have. And the Broncos have been trying to trade, for what it's worth, <laughs> Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy for the better half of a year now. Uh, and if either of those guys go, it increases his opportunity. Little Jordan Humphrey was released today. I know like that's such a niche thing, but he was also getting 42% of the team's snap share yeah. and one of their leading run blockers. Um, so definitely a guy that I'm not dropping, I'm not giving up on. I'm not starting until I see it, but Russ has been good. It has not been Russ that has caused a lot of the problems in this team. Uh, eh, he hasn't caused them, but he's not helping them. For fantasy, he's been just just exactly what you yeah, want. Yeah, he's, he's been fine. Yeah, he's not going to cost your wide receivers, and he still has a bit of a deep ball. So stashing holding everything is there with like the efficiencies the targets per route run the yards per route run what's not there is he's not playing and we need him to play if we want anything more to happen yeah i I think uh what you should come away with this with is we both view him just as favorably as we did coming out of college which is good because he hasn't done much and it's good to know that when he's had the chances he looks like that guy um you mentioned the run blocking with old jordan humphrey that is a potential item on a list of things that can get veterans playing time over rookies. So perhaps that's one thing. Now that's just complete speculation, but uh, you know, perhaps that is uh, one of the issues for Mims. Don't know, but one guy who has been pretty good as a run blocker, and that is why he's getting on the field a lot more than most chiefs rookie wide receivers. Dalton is Rasheed Rice. What have you liked about Rasheed Rice so far? Because I think we've both been, pleasantly surprised after a lot of the pre-draft coverage of him yeah well to start with it he has the second most explosive rating uh among wide receivers now his snap chair among those wide receivers is lower than almost every other guy on the list um but going back to the bears game he has two catches that ended the one yard line uh very easily could have been touchdowns there he obviously has a touchdown week one uh he has been one of the few bright spots in this chief's offense 
you will probably Andy Reid is historically a coach who does not let his rookies on the field early on. We we saw that with Sky Moore. Um, part of that was Sky Moore just wasn't playing well. The other part is this is a complicated playbook and it takes time for guys to learn it. Um, he's someone I want to see more of. I want to see on the field more often. He has the yak ability. Uh, his issue coming out of college was that he wasn't a clean route runner. I that doesn't seem to be a problem with the Chiefs right now. They are running not, him on not, not, routes. not against zone. Against man, I think it's kind of been what people expected, which was a little bit raw, but he already can get open against zone. Uh, 85% or 83% success rate, excuse me, against zone uh, per reception perception. Yeah. Um, so he's doing what he needs to do. Among rookie wide receivers, he's probably been the second biggest surprise, the first obviously being Puka Nakua. Um, because he's seeing such immediate playing time. But I think a lot of us did a one-for-one one with him and Sky Moore and was like, it's just not going to happen this year. I think as a Chiefs fan, I would rather see him on the field in the slot than Sky Moore a lot of oh, the time. Oh, yeah. And I, um, I, I want to see him taking snaps from MVS and Watson yeah. on the outside. Not that both those guys can't be out there at different times, but I want to see Rice get a chance to do that too. And, you know, the thing that you like ab- about him is – He's got juice in the open field, and the Chiefs' offense has kind of lacked that juice and uh, just uh, that explosiveness a little bit. You know, Harmon has uh, this, I guess you'd call it a metric. It's in-space plays. I think 18% of Rice's charted plays have been in-space. He's broken a tackle on 72% of those plays, which is pretty damn impressive. Yeah, and I mean, the last thing we'll say on this is We've been a fan of just taking shots at the Chiefs wide receiver room with guys that aren't MVS or Justin Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, and you should well, and, we, and we, we said last week, what needs to happen? It's Rice or Tony. Yeah. Well, and Tony saw more snaps too. He's at yep. 33%. Big boom Woo! there. But yeah, yeah let's go. <laughs> yeah, look at him go. Um, but no, I, I think those two continue to be the two that I'm most prominently exposed to and want to be exposed to on this team because I think they just have the best potential. Uh, and post bye week Chiefs will be a very interesting look because eventually this wide receiver room has to consolidate because the offense is out of sync in a lot of their time. Despite being successful, I think they've been out of sync the majority of games. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. And, you know, if he does, which a lot of teams you look around and you can't say for certain that they have great coaching, like I heard, uh, Matt Waldman make this point. Um, this rookie receiver, Quentin Johnston, notably not on this list because he's not done anything. Are we sure he's going to get coached up in uh, Los Angeles by the Chargers to not uh, have his his issues at the point of attack on catches? No, we're not sure because it's the Chargers. What I am sure about is if Rasheed Rice has the ability in there to be a refined route runner and be good against man coverage. The Chiefs and Andrew will get that out of him. It is just about does he have that ability. And if he does have that ability, he's already good and comfortable against zone coverage. Mahomes already clearly has a little bit of trust in the guy. I would say behind it, it goes Kelsey, Justin Watson, and then maybe Rasheed Rice as far as just trust power rankings on this offense. What do you say? I put Jack McKinnon at three, but otherwise, yeah. yeah. I'm I, I talking about like like oh. rece- receiver. I include Kelsey as a receiver. Okay. Yeah, I, I might put it there. I mean, he has the third most red zone looks on this team, despite running 
a sub 30% snap share the majority of the season. So yeah, a lot of trust there by Mahomes and company. He's a stash until you see him get over 50% of the snaps, but it's been encouraging so far. A guy that we should mention, um, we actually have in a question here, so we'll get to this trade first and then bring up Puka Nakua briefly. Uh, PPR League, Jalen Waddell and Jonathan Taylor for Travis Etienne and Puka Nakua Dalton. I think this is about as close to a wash as you're going to see. I, I would value both of those guys almost exactly equal. And I think if you're looking for upside, it's the Waddle-Jonathan-Taylor side. If you're looking for more of a guaranteed floor type of production, it is the ETN Puka side. Yeah, I'm taking ETN and Puka uh, on this trade. I I just need to see more from Jonathan Taylor, and it's not been stated Play, enough. Playing 10 snaps didn't do it for you, huh? No. Well, and like I understand everybody's like, well, look at Zach Moss. He's doing great. Uh, the Zach Moss runs, the a lot of them, those defenses were keyed in on Anthony Richardson running the ball. That's clearly not happening with his injury uh, going forward. And Jalen Yeah, Waddle, we, should, we should mention out four to eight weeks. Uh, yeah. Didn't mention that at the top because everyone knows, go start, go get Gardner Minshew if you are in a deep league or just leave them on waivers until you need a streamer. But a big-time bummer. Yeah, huge bummer. Um, and I, I don't know what this offense looks like without him. ETN is leading the NFL in forced missed tackles at 27, four more than Christian Caffrey at 23. Shocking. Yeah, and Puka Nakua is like Robert Woods 2.0 in the yep. Rams offense that we we want. So I feel pretty good about that. We we kind of said that really early on, and now obviously it, it wasn't that hard to jump on the hype train early, but it, it has kind of shaken out that way. And through one week, like it it looks like we're going to be able to get Cooper Cup wide receiver one ish, and Puka Nakua as a low end two. Yeah, and pretty comfortable with that because you probably got him for nothing. Yeah, yep. Absolutely. All right. Another guy, Dalton, not much to say about the on the field stuff with Jonathan Mingo because there has not been much. He has just over 100 yards. Uh, You know, he's had okay volume, but there just hasn't been much to like about this offense so far. Adam Thielen has had a good start. Other than that, you know, kind of is what it is. I think the, the really the only question I have for Mingo is, do you think this Thielen production, it's not going to last the tune of a top 10 to 12 receiver, but is does it have the staying power to hold off Jonathan Mingo as anything worthwhile in, in redraft leagues this year? Uh, Jonathan Mingo is third in the NFL among rookies in routes run. Mm-hmm. Uh, in healthy games, sorry, because mm-hmm. he did miss a game. Uh, despite that, he is dead last in targets per route run and fancy points per, per route run. Like, I... It couldn't be worse. Like it legit. This is probably the the worst rookie right now among the wide receiver core of anybody drafted with a significant draft. Count. I would say Quentin Johnston has still been. Worse. Yeah, sorry, uh, I forget about him because we were so out on Quentin Johnston yeah. that I forget he exists. But yeah, so second worst. Um, and at least Quentin Johnston isn't on a roster if you're in redraft. Uh, Mingo, you might have taken and he might be an anchor because he's he's on the field for 80% of the snaps. Yeah. Uh, and the team is now looking for a wide receiver one very heavily and very evidently. And their head coach is saying Jerry wishes- Judy, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry Judy. And their head coach is saying they wish they drafted CJ Stroud, not Bryce Young. It is a mess in Carolina. It's been a mess in Carolina. Um, I I simply like this isn't a stash for me. This is a let somebody else deal with this headache. I don't think there's a path this year for him. Um, I, 
I don't know. I don't have any hope here. There's no metric that gives me any hope for this guy. Yeah. Hey, George Play, tell me if that's a super flex league or not before I'm able to answer that question. But yeah, I I agree with you. Um, pretty much everything you said on Mingo there. On the Bryce Young, um, yeah, Frank Reck really did say that. And it it you know, the Panthers are just bound determined to to ruin every like good young player who comes through there because I know it's been a struggle. I do still believe in Bryce Young. I I do still think this is a good player that while I would have taken Anthony Richardson number one, I think the jury's very much still out on Stroud versus Young. And that is probably not the consensus take right now, but it's still so early. Um, the one thing Brett Coleman said with, with him is that he's making mistakes right now that you just wouldn't expect uh, that he wasn't making in college. And it wasn't like, it's not learning the game, learning coverage of stuff. It is getting baited by hang corners because he's just not not seeing it well. And that, that's, he's thrown multiple interceptions where it's been like, oh, a guy has rotated right up to where he's throwing. Like, it's just, just perfect. Like, it's just like a user lurking Madden is what's happened to him like three times yeah. already this year. But what I will say about him, he is in by far, far the worst situation of those top three quarterbacks uh his coach number one uh don't think he's been very helpful for him um because number one he's saying things like that number two <laughs> um through three weeks now this is again through three weeks i don't have the stats for the last two but through three weeks this is his his uh his breakout with five man pros 56 percent completion percentage two touchdowns two picks 3.5 yards per attempt now you give him a six-man protection. It is six of seven, seven attempts, six of seven for 67 yards, almost 10 yards a play. So maybe let's try to do that a little bit more, huh? Like this is an offensive line. That is bad. A receiver room. That is bad. Why don't we give this guy a little bit of protection? He's clearly struggling, processing quickly enough. We kind of knew that the the runaround stuff wasn't going to work like it is in college, like it did in college. I think he's learning that. Um, he looked a little bit better last week, I would say, but he needs help from his coaches. He needs more help on the field. For redraft, you're forgetting about him. For dynasty, give him time. That would be my my takeaway here. Yeah, I would say biggest lesson from this is landing spot matters. Yes, coaching staff matters. Uh, CJ Stroud, obviously the coaching staff there is doing a better job. Uh, obviously the wide receiver yeah. room is doing better. Yeah, uh, I think Robert Woods would probably be the bonafide one in Carolina. Well, Adam Thielen is. So I mean, he's just yeah. he, This is he's just Carolina Robert Woods basically. Yeah, he he's. I mean, he's just throwing to dust. And like you said, redraft. Forget about him. Don't even try to stream him unless something magical happens. Dynasty. I hope you taxied him, or I hope he he never has to see your starting lineup. That felt targeted. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that felt targeted for me with Bryce Young not in my taxi and a, <laughs> a week a week looking at a week ten start. But do you know who the Panthers play in week ten on Jalen Hurts' bye week? Who the Chicago Bears? So I am in business. That's. I don't know how many games the Chicago Bears can play in where I say this, <laughs> but that's a stoppable force meets the movable object yet again. Okay, we do have a question from George Play01. He's in a, a one quarterback league. He's 5 0. Tua, Christian McCaffrey, Kenneth Walker, Cooper Cup, Chris Olave, Dallas Goddard, James Cook in the flex. Should he trade his other quarterback, which is Justin Fields, and Kenneth Walker for Bijan? 
Yes. Yes. Just wanted to make sure it was super flex before I told you to do that. Yeah, no, I did. Bijan hasn't even broke out yet. He's playing amazing. We'll get to him in a minute. Uh, Anthony Richardson mentioned the injury. Not too much to say here other than he has done everything you would want when he's on the field. It's just he can't stay on the field. So that is the concern, and that's really the only concern I have right now. Um, I would like to see them dial back the design runs a little bit because he has shown he's a capable passer, very good passer. Let him drop back a little bit more. Let him scramble more and have – now, will he slide? Not sure. <laughs> but give him the ability to make those decisions to slide and avoid those big hits that he doesn't really have on those design QB runs all the time. But love what I've seen so far. Yeah. Um, among quarterbacks, uh, if you put Anthony Richardson at starting all four quarters – which he clearly hasn't done often. He is the highest scoring quarterback in fantasy at 29.6 points. Uh Um, Obviously the guy needs to learn to slide. Like you said, Uh, the, the shoulder injury, I don't know if that one's on him as much. He got hit from behind, but the other two injuries, the concussion, as well as the shin injury that happened in week one. (laughs) He almost has as many injuries as weeks played. Yeah. Um, but as, as weeks played by the entire NFL, for him, we I think it's actually equal, three to three. Yeah, it is, it is equal. <laughs> um, I, I will say, like, the passing is there. Like you said, he's done well. Shane Steichen has clearly proven to be a great offensive mind. He coached Herbert up his rookie year, made him look great. Obviously, Philly's offense hasn't looked the same without him while it's still been efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, excited going forward, it sounds like, because it's throwing shoulder – there's a chance he doesn't play the rest of this year. I mean, that that seems like they're going to reevaluate it after four weeks. Four um, to eight weeks was the timeline we heard, which means they don't know. It's a it's a long ways out. Yeah, and this is also a guy who, like, one of his biggest assets is his deep ball. And if his shoulder yeah. isn't right, like, it's just not there for him. Um, so, I mean, very well, we might not see him until 2024. Yeah, which is sad. Uh, CJ Stroud, he's been good. He's been very, very good. I will say for fantasy, it's kind of what we thought coming out. You know, he's looked exactly like he did in college, which is great. But for fantasy, that's good. Fringe top 12 quarterback type of guy, which is good. It's valuable, and you want that. But he doesn't run at all. For as good as he's been for a rookie, this Texans offense still isn't setting the scoreboard on fire by any means. So it's like you're kind of hoping for 250 and two passing touchdowns, which, again, you're happy with that in your lineup, but it's not like he's having the full-fledged, like winning your league as a rookie quarterback. But from a real-life perspective, I don't think anybody could be happier with how he's looked so far. Yeah, I, and he, he's had that connection with Tank Dell, who he wanted in the draft and who I think a lot of people were skeptical of, who's proven to be a legitimate NFL caliber wide receiver. Uh, Nico Collins is having the breakout that a lot of people have been waiting on. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I think that's what we care about more is that he's good enough that Nico Collins can do that. Yeah. And he's also doing this with, he has not played the same offensive line any week. Yep. Uh, so like it's one of those situations where other quarterbacks in the league, Daniel Jones, Bryce young are getting a lot of like, Oh, well their offensive lines aren't there, but this guy's doing it with a bad offensive line. Uh, when he has more than three seconds to throw, he is averaging a EPA per play of, nine 
And what he does not have more than three seconds to throw, he's still at seven. Like he's there. He, he's just doing it both ways. But if this offensive line gets short up, we could see bigger weeks coming. And obviously he's a rookie. Like there's improvements to be made all around. Very excited about C.J. Stroud and this Texans offense. Yep. The, the, the other thing that is at least worth mentioning is that he is a rookie, so there was no book on him. There is now a book. So if you see him struggle a little bit for a couple weeks, don't just be like, oh, you know, let's throw out the these first four or five weeks. And he, you know, basically don't, don't dock him too much if he goes through a rough patch because that is what happens with young players. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I still would not want him to be my number one starter in any reasons, but like a perfectly fine streaming option. Yeah, I think I agree with that. All right, Sam Laporta, a perfectly fine starter, the starter at tight end right now, tight end one now on a points per game basis. He's tight end three behind Kelsey and Andrews, who are both missed time. But you could not have asked for a much better start. You couldn't ask for a better situation. I mean, you've got Jared Goff, who's been perfectly good. Ben Johnson, one of the best play callers in the NFL. And the Lions are kind of that perfect fantasy situation for receivers and the tight end where it's like, I know I care about Amon Ross St. Brown. I know I care I care about Sam Laporta. They're giving me streaming value in Josh Reynolds, and that's it. And we'll see about Jimmis Williams going forward. But you love that. You love the start. This guy has three touchdowns already this year. He had five in four years at Iowa. Shout out Brian Ferentz. Yeah, I mean, he he – is proving that anybody who's just saying either rookie tight ends don't produce, that's clearly not the case. Yes. He's you, in, you, you can't flex about Kincaid and then brag about Laporta uh, yeah. because your reasoning was for Kincaid, what exactly you just said. Yeah. Since week two, I use week two because it's when Travis Kelsey started playing. He's uh-huh. third among all tight ends and targets. Only TJ Hawkinson and Kelsey are above him. Uh, when it comes to explosive rating among tight ends, he's second in the NFL with TJ Hawkinson above him. Like everything he's done has been there. This offense is moving along just fine. Ben Johnson will be a head coach next year and is a great offensive mind. Uh, I mean, there's not enough nice things you can say about the Sam Laporta situation. Yeah, you know, he blocks well, which that's how you're going to get on the field as a tight end. For Dan Campbell, you can do that stuff. But also, he can run around like a legit wide receiver. This guy's good. Um, from a dynasty perspective, the list of guys you want ahead of him is pretty short. I've seen people make the argument for him as a tight end one. I'm not quite ready to go there, but like, I'm not going to say that's a crazy take. I, I, He's definitely in that top three to four guys in dynasty right now. Yeah, no, he's definitely – I mean, if, if you draft him, it's, it's free money, and it's just the freest money in the world is taking any tight end that played at Iowa at this point. <laughs> and this is why – this is a great example of why you play the waiver wire game with tight end unless you draft Travis Kelsey because you get guys like this. Now, you yeah. don't get rookies like this often, but you can you find breakouts like this at tight end frequently. What would you guess his underdog ADP was? For I tight mean, ends? It, it was – oh, among tight ends, like tight end 19. He was tight end 18. So you're wow. Yeah. Um, And anybody who got, I mean, that means he was going in like the 16th round in underdog drafts. Uh, Absolute steal. Um, Hopefully. Let me ask you, you, Darren Waller or Sam Laporta rest of season. Okay. Well, that's unfair. I'm Sam Laporta, but I know the people know who you're a fan of. So I want to hear your take. Darren Waller. I'm not backing down. (laughs) (laughs) Never back down. Never what? Next question. 
<laughs> Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller. Moving on. Uh, question from Mark Yosko in the chat. Should I trade Swift and Hopkins for Olave, Justin Jefferson, and Warren? Yes. Yeah, you know, definitely. Uh, I, I see but the downgrade at running back is tough, but your risk of Jefferson is insulated by Olave, who I know has struggled. It has not been his fault. Um, still caught the touchdown last week. Obviously, Carr was so injured the week before. That was the issue. And then also, Olave had a catch last week that was about 45 yards down the sideline that I'm pretty confident had the Saints challenged would have stood. So as someone who cares about the Chris Olave season-long wide receiver yardage prop, I was quite perturbed at that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, I mean, Hopkins for Olave, you're getting just two straight-up wide receiver ones in Olave and Jay Jettas. And then I think Warren is a, a fine. I mean, he's going to put up seven or eight points a week. Yeah, he's a fine flex. Yeah. So I, I'd do that. And then Roshan Johnson, I mean, Khalil Herbert's going to be out for multiple weeks, so there's a good potential for him being a solid RB2 to give you a bridge. Yeah, agreed. Especially this week, obviously, Warren is on his bye. Uh, we said we get the Bijan. I, you know, not much to say here. He's been great. He's the running back eight. I still don't think he has a rushing touchdown. He has a receiving touchdown. He, uh, was it this most recent game or two games ago? where we got the nice little shot of him catching it, almost putting it clear behind his back, bringing it back, and then scoring. I think that was this week. Um, yeah. He's really good. I, I think really the only question is, is he that Saquon Barkley, Brees Hall, Nick Chubb-level prospect we were promised? I say yes. Yeah, no, he he is that guy. The only issue is it's a three-to-one snap count in the red zone, the three being Tyler Algier, yes. the one being Bijan Robinson, Clear uh, ceiling stopper for him. It's unfortunate for what it is, but Tyler Algier does a fine job in the red zone. I don't think they're going to change that up. Arthur Smith, pretty dead set in his ways, despite what we fantasy players say, um, and despite who they spend draft capital on. Uh, I will say, like, among all qualifying running backs, he's third in force miss tackle rate. He's second in yards before contact. He's fifth in the NFL in yards of 20 plus yards. Like, and this is him at a 60% snap share. Like, if at any point Tyler Algier goes down and this guy's getting a 90% snap share, it's insane. This is an offense that we saw make Cordell Patterson a legitimate every week starter. Mm -hmm. And if he can get in that 90% share and if Desmond Ritter can put the ball on some of his guys a little better, all of a sudden, like, Bijan Robinson is, is what CMC is right now. I'm convinced that the NFL bought the Falcons that sky cam just because we wanted to see all these shots of his cuts. He is such an electric cutter, man. He's so fun to watch. All right, Zach Charbonnet. A uh, little bit surprising here, Dalton. Zach Charbonnet, explosive rush percentage, uh, so which is rushes of 10 yards or more and minimum 20 touches. He is one, two, three, four, fifth in the NFL among all running backs. Uh, a lot of young guys on that list. Also James Connor rounding up that list. RIP James Connor. Uh, he's shown the power that we'd expect has trucked a few guys. He, this is a guy who's a top 10 running back by PFF grade. Great pass blocker that, that's helping out too. That has shown up right away, but he's the RB 62, which they have their bye week, but 3.7 points per game. So he's not produced yet really on the field, but I think it's coming. I like this guy a lot. I'm not saying he's going to overtake Kenneth Walker, but I am very interested what things look like post by this week. And then as we continue, 
He is eighth in rush yards over expected, fifth in success rate in the entire NFL. This guy's good. Yeah, I you stole my stats, so thanks for that one. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> everything we said about in the preseason, I haven't seen anything to indicate otherwise. He hasn't had the pop-off game. His workload has been steadily increased every week, and I we've said about this entire podcast, but after the bye, rookies play better. It's just how the NFL works. It's pretty well documented at this point that they get those reps underneath them. Kenneth Walker also, uh, if you take away his touchdowns, he's just not doing as well as many other guys. So I'm I'm not saying Kenneth Walker's washed, but I'm saying a 50-50 split is not like outside of my realm of believing. I think we've got J-Law in the chat here because Zach Charbonnet has just been put on the trade block in our Dynasty League. <laughs> Um, but I wouldn't trade for him in Dynasty for most of <laughs> uh, I'm a fan for sure. Speaking of guys I'm a fan of, man, Tajay Spears, that dude is just so good. If anything happens to Derrick Henry, this is a top 12 running back. And that explosive run rate I mentioned earlier, two spots that have Zach Charbonnet is Tajay Spears. He is explosive. He is shifty. He is on the field a lot. He is trusted in a lot of situations for a rookie running back under uh, curmudgeonly head coach and Mike Vrabel. He's the RB30, so the production is also kind of there already. Um, and if the Titans are not in the playoff hunt down the stretch, I don't think it's impossible that we see a shift in this backfield, not because Henry isn't performing, but because he's probably not going to be there next year, and Tajay Spears is. And if that does happen, this is your league winner right here. Yeah, I buy into that. A uh, friend of the show, Matt Harmon, had his aspirational comp for Tajay Spears as Jamal Charles. And this is not an offense where it's easy to take away rushes from, I mean, the three-time triple crown winner at yeah. running back in Derrick Henry. Uh, and Mike Vrabel clearly trusts Derrick Henry. The snap shares in any game where the Titans haven't been ahead by two-plus touchdowns are 60-40 Tajay Spears in favor. Um, and he's just been everything as advertised. And, and to, be clear, be to, 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 to be clear, um, when he has had more snaps, he has not had more touches. I, I just want to make correct, that distinction. Correct. But he is still on the field a lot, and he is getting some touches. Yes, that is correct. I mean, he's doing a lot more of the pass blocking probably giving Derrick Henry spells to rest because he is 29 years old. Mm -hmm. um, but in spite of all of that, like no one else to date, including guys like Deion Lewis, who had a good career in New England, were able to take Derrick Henry off the field. Yeah. Um, and this is his first year, and he's only going to grow. He's running behind the, the worst offensive line in the NFL, ranked 32nd out of 32nd by PFF, and he's still producing. And th this team needs playmakers, and he's just such a special athlete. I, I agree with you. Derrick Henry goes down. I mean, this guy is like a locked, loaded top twelve weekly start, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, they they kind of the 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 phrase "ticking time bomb" was used to describe his knee. And I saw someone on Twitter today say he runs like he knows he, his knee is a ticking time bomb, and he's got to get everything out of his career that he can right now. This guy runs hard, runs with a purpose. He he he's just good. I I just I love watching Tajay Spears play. I wish yeah. he had ACLs. Yeah, well, I think we both agree this is similar to Jay Jai, uh, who had an amazing career for his rookie contract and then never did anything. Um, and that's probably like the 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 best it, case. Like it, that's it, it's. I, I don't even know if I'd say it's most likely because there have been guys uh, with these knee issues that have played longer, but it's at least 
very much in play. Yes, and the way he cuts is always going to make me a little worried. I mean, he plants his foot so hard to take some of those cuts, yeah. but I, like, I'm not worried about it in redraft. I'm not even worried about it in Dynasty. Like, you How? just enjoy the ride for as long as you have the guy. How does he do that with no ACL and the, the leg flex? How does he do that? I don't, I don't understand. understand. No, me neither. And <laughs> if you go back and watch him at Tulane, obviously you yeah. and I are both big fans of him yeah. uh, coming into the draft. And the only reason the, the only reason I didn't take him with the fourth overall pick is because he has no ACLs. Yeah, and that turns out not to matter. Um, well, he, it, 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 it may matter in the long term. Yeah, but I, I love the guy. He's probably the, the most electric look rookie I like to watch. Um, I mean, Bijan, obviously, but like Tajay Spears is right there. Yep, yep. And on that note, Dalton, that is going to do it for episode 121 of the Half Point Per Podcast. Uh, give us a follow, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Half Point Per Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube, the link to all those things. As always, in the show notes, we'll answer all the questions as they come in YouTube as well, just like every week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, for those of you in our Dynasty League who have been waiting an hour and nine minutes for this part, here we go. And we will start off, Dalton, with our power rankings. Who do you think, before I just give you mine, who do you think should be number one in the SFFL power ranks this week? I feel like you just want me to point out that it should be you. No, no, I'm not, <laughs> I, I don't even, I don't have myself number one, although I have number one in the standings, which is really what matters. Okay. <laughs> a little humble brag there. I still have Ty. I still have Ty, the Ty bots, hanging strong at number one. You know, he's three and two, but in all reality, he is a late Aaron Jones injury reminder away from being four and one. He also has not had Saquon Barkley for multiple weeks, has hardly had Aaron Jones, and he, his team has still been putting up points. He would have scored 110 uh, if he was able to put – like he his, his bye weeks worked out in such a way where he would have played Zach Moss this week and he would have scored 120 points. So he's still my one. I think he has the deepest team. He has the most margin for error. He has all the draft picks if he wants to go get uh, somebody. He can definitely do that as well. I've got Brian, too. We talked about the Cooper Cup travesty last week. Now he does lose Justin Jefferson. So his spot here is a little bit tenuous. I'm kind of siding on the fact that I don't think it's going to be for the year. If it is, that obviously changes things a lot. But Brees Hall coming on. Cooper Cup, obviously we liked what we saw week one. Finally, a Justin Fields game. We'll, we'll see if that continues but i think you'd agree that brian has a pretty stacked roster yeah and i mean he has Tajay spears who we just talked yeah yeah so, yeah definitely there we'll see uh he's never made the playoffs before so we'll see how he does that's true that's fair i've got troll uh, uh bud light number three here and i mean he's made quite the jump since the last time we did this i think you had him on the outside looking in of your playoff hopefuls not even playoff teams and he has taken that, used it as motivation, and put up something like 350 points in the last two weeks. Like just absurd. Christian McCaffrey, obviously absurd, but McCaffrey didn't even have the McCaffrey game last week because DJ Moore had the McCaffrey game. Yes, DJ Moore had 45 points. I was about to say McCaffrey didn't need to because the, the Cowboys were the Cowboys their night. But yeah, DJ Moore, he's got David Montgomery, who we we've talked about. Uh he's kind of rolling with Adam Thielen right now. 
uh, Damian Pierce, Drake London. So, like, I like the team. He's got Joe Burrow. Maybe Joe Burrow's kind of back. Maybe not. The worry here, though, is I feel a little bit worse about his depth, about his flex spots than those top two. And, like, if the feeling train kind of wears off, if Laporta kind of falls back a little bit, uh, it, it could get a little dicier for his team, but he's definitely got a, a very nice looking roster right now. Yeah, no, he's definitely in it. I mean, he has 10 total touchdowns in two weeks from two players in Montgomery and CMC. So it's there. Yes. That, God, that's insane. All right. Number four, I have myself. I mean, Jalen Hurts, the Eagles offense kind of finally found themselves fully last week. We'll hope that continues. I kind of had the, what is, turned out to be a very typical fantasy football experience uh, for me the last three years where it's like my team has a great day, but it just like it very clearly could have been better. James Connor gets hurt second quarter. He's out a, a month. So no Connor definitely hurts, but uh, four and one with uh, T Higgins and Chris Olave, both hopefully big time positive regression guys. No, I'm on Rob last week either. So I'm feeling pretty solid. Uh, could be a little bit better. I don't know if you want to add anything on on my team, Dalton. I mean, you're just going to keep taking injuries. It is the way things <laughs> go. That's true. That that is the way things have gone in SFFL for for three years. Uh, when when I thought Travis Kelsey tore his Achilles for like three <laughs> seconds, I I thought about quitting fantasy football and, and just football in general. Actually, for for a for a, a quick second there. It's not too late. You can trade me all your guys, but we can take that offline if we want to talk about that some other time. <laughs> Number five, I have Noah. And, you know, I want to say, but before I get a comment from Noah in the sleeper chat, one through five, it's interchangeable. You can order it anyway. Um, and he, he just came down the, he just came at five. It, it just kind of is what it is. You know, two of his best player, two of his best seven players are quarterbacks. Can't start them both. What can I say? Yeah, he does get Eckler back, and he also gets Pacheco against the Broncos defense. So this yeah. will probably be a big shut-your-mouth week uh, for Evan. Uh, well, he, does, he does play me this week. So, yeah, he, he very well could beat me this week. Oh, he plays sure. you this week. That, yeah, he plays you this week. They also play the pass-funnel defense in the Tennessee Titans. It could be a shootout in Melonheadville or Toledo, <laughs> wherever we're playing this week. All right, we'll go through these uh, next couple a little bit quicker. So Trejo at six. He's got the aforementioned B. John Robinson. Uh, better days probably ahead for him. And as a result, for Trejo's team, you know, like Trejo's kind of been one of those teams where he's left a little bit of meat on the bone. You feel like he should be scoring more points. Uh, maybe that's just kind of par for the course. For, for Tre- It seems like Trejo kind of always has that, where it's like you think – his team should be scoring more or like in certain years, his team does score. And he just doesn't win those games. Like I need to see the raccoons break through and actually make the playoffs before I call him a bona fide contender. Yeah. They got to stop eating garbage and dine with the rest of us at the winner's table. <laughs> Juan Pablo, number seven, uh, you know, Juan has weathered the Nick Chubb injury as best he can. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, having the Jameer Gibbs issues is not helping things right now. Um, but he's got a winnable matchup against Rowdy this week. I think both guys probably think that's a winnable matchup. Big one. Big one for Juan this week. Got to go out and get that win. Eli, number eight. Um, I mentioned it 
a couple weeks ago friend of that, the show. that yes, friend of the show, Eli, shout out Eli, that the loss to you was, was just a, a big, big deal, I think. And I still kind of think that I will say I have Eli eight and law nine. Now I'm not ready to say a hundred percent as fact, but I think last week's matchup between Eli and J-Law may have been a loser leaves town. And Eli won that game 122-63. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, maybe both just leave town. <laughs> I, I do own both their picks, so maybe it's it's a little more beneficial for me. But maybe we just <laughs> throw, it a, throw in the towel, boys. I've got Rowdy 10. He uh, has not sold everybody, but he did sell Elijah Moore. Rowdy's team is filled with studs at the very top and not much else after that. So selling Elijah Moore is a bigger deal than it sounds on the surface. Uh, We'll see. Like if he loses the one this week, the tank should be on. The tank should maybe be on anyway. But if he loses the one this week, then maybe the tank will be on. We'll see what Rowdy does there. Brad 11, U12, like uh, the the tank is is fully on for, for both of you. Uh, I just made a couple of win now trades that aren't even being mentioned. You do have Elijah Moore, you do have Jared Goff, but you did lose Anthony Richardson, so that's like a, still a net negative. Uh, Jared Goff has not missed a quarter of football. That is true. Those, those are facts, and Elijah Moore might have a better quarterback than PJ Tucker this week. So <laughs> positives all the way around. All right. Anything else on on the league? Your thoughts? Uh, on the landscape before we before we get out of here. That's all I have. I do see that comment in chat from Odie. Uh, mm-hmm. Two and three, struggling with injuries. Would I trade Tyreek and James Cook for T, Kelsey, and Ken Walker? The answer is yes. I yeah. would do that. Um, you just get – James Cook's touches have gone down every game. He's not a red yeah. zone back. He's not going to give you boom weeks. Kelsey it's, and it's Ken gonna Walker. Be, it's going to be game script dependent for him. Yeah. Kelsey and Ken Walker, in my opinion, would have been – Fair offer alone. Yeah, and, and and if you're struggling with injuries, you're adding depth, trading two for three, and I, I think I like I said, I agree with you. I would have done this at a two for two. Yeah, so definitely do that. All right, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for indulging the dynasty talk as always. At the end, if you do for some reason stick around for that, are interested in our league's current happenings, uh, we will talk to you again next week. <laughs>